You are listening to The Happy Gynecologist with your host, Amanda Miles, MD. Hello, my bees. What is up? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so, so glad you were here. Today, we're going to be really digging in to the root of the problem. So many of us are facing this right now. Um, the problem, which this whole podcast is centered around, is burnout. So I hope you're ready to tuck in and listen to this. So, so glad you're here. All right. So I know a lot of you might be thinking, yeah, yeah, I had to go to a mandatory lunch and learn about that. <laughs> or maybe uh, I have some residents out there listening that are thinking, oh, yeah, we had to do some extra stuff for that so we could make the ACGME happy. <laughs> right. But for real, y'all, this topic is so, so important right now. Not only is it important as just OBGYNs, but right now with COVID and everything happening in the world, there's so much burnout. So this episode goes out to not only my, my OBGYNs, my bees, um, but also to all the healthcare workers, okay? Uh, or anyone else feeling burnt out. So we're going to talk about this in a real way, not the way that often ends up blaming us for not doing enough yoga or self-care. We're going to talk about this in a way to begin the first steps of climbing out of it. Because often it feels like you're in the bottom of this deep, dark hole and you just can't get out. I remember a day that I was in clinic and I got called, I had to go deliver two different babies throughout the day and it, they both took a while. So most of the patients for the day had to be rescheduled. And then I had an emergency surgery in the middle of the clinic the next day. So the afternoon had to get rescheduled again. And I just felt like I was just digging this hole deeper and deeper and deeper. And I couldn't see how I would ever get out of it because where are these patients going to go? I can't just keep putting them off to the next day. And then again, to the next day, it's going to happen again and again. And so each day I would show up and there would be more and more patients on for the day. And I would just be dreading it so much. I was moving like a slug through the clinic. I would run super behind and just kind of have to peel myself out of my chair to go to the next room because I had all these thoughts about how I was going to be here so late. I had so many people to see. I was overwhelmed. I didn't know how I was going to do it all. But what I didn't realize is that I was creating the result of running behind by thinking this way. So whenever I was thinking, there's so many patients, I'm going to run behind. Then I would just like drag my feet and be slow and complain and moan. And then I would run behind. That was the result. <laughs> so. What is burnout and why does it matter, right? I know you guys probably learned some of this at your lunch and learn or your required burnout education in residency. I remember having some of that. I don't remember what was taught to us, but um, so generally burnout is, is defined as this. It is a state of physical or emotional exhaustion that also involves a sense of reduced accomplishment and a loss of personal identity. And so burnout is typically described as having three main parts. Okay. So the first part is you may struggle with emotional exhaustion, which kind of looks like when you're caring for everybody and everything, and then you come home and you do it again with your family and your kids and your pets and your house and your spouse. And then you're just exhausted. You just can't, you can't take another person needing you. You collapse onto the couch, emotionally exhausted. The second component is this feeling of reduced accomplishment. And I think what they mean by that is kind of feeling like, what's the point in this? 
nothing I do matters, feeling that no matter how much you do, it still isn't enough. I think that as a mom, I definitely felt that both at work and at home. No matter how much I do, I'm still a bad mom. Or, you know, no matter how much I do, I'm still not a good enough doctor. And then the third component, depersonalization. So that essentially means that we find it hard to care as much as we once did. It's kind of the effort stage, right? So the, the patients that we're caring for are now just one more task on our list of things to do. Um, we have no more empathy. Maybe we use all of our energy to do these things and take care of everybody at work. And then once we get home, we have nothing left. And we're just like, F it. I don't even care. I don't even care about y'all and get, get real you know, mad at everybody. When we look at burnout, um, one of the big uh, surveys from Medscape is the physician burnout and suicide report. And why this matters is because the 46% of OBGYNs are currently experiencing burnout. The three main causes that they identified were, number one, too many bureaucratic tasks. So that's like your charts, your paperwork, your phone messages, your prior authorizations, your prescription refills, you know, a lot of stuff that tends to fall on us more now that there's all these EMRs that we have to put in the orders now, you know, you can't just tell the nurse what you want um, and that kind of stuff, which I mean, you know, is that the right way? I don't know. You know, I don't know what's right, but it seems like the, the number of bureaucratic tasks just continues to increase sometimes. The second main cause listed was too many hours at work. And the third main cause was lack of respect from administration, staff, and colleagues. And there were a whole bunch of other reasons. I think there were probably six or eight more reasons. Um, some of those were like lack of control, not getting paid enough, feeling like a cog in the wheel of a big company. What I think is interesting about this is that in the Medscape survey, what was not included in contributing to burnout was that we also have home lives that are contributing to this every day. Maybe we're juggling kids and how the house, pets, soccer practice, the list goes on and on, right? Female physicians are 60% more likely to report suffering from burnout than male counterparts. That's why it's important, okay? So maybe this survey was off a little bit because uh, Medscape didn't factor in the mom guilt part. I don't know if any of you guys suffer from mom guilt. I think it's uh, kind of a standard issue thing. Whenever you become a mom, you're issued your mom guilt for the rest of your life. Uh, so the, the Medscape survey also reported, interestingly enough, how we cope with burnout. And this was interesting to me because the number one way or coping mechanism, way we cope with burnout that was listed by physicians was that we isolate from others. Have you ever done this? Have <laughs> you ever thought, OMG, I just need to be alone right now. And then you sit in the car for 15 minutes before you go into work. Or maybe you hide from your kids in the bathroom once you get home. You know, they're like banging on the door. Their little fingers are coming underneath the door. <laughs> maybe you sit on the couch with your snacks and your wine while you binge Netflix after the kids all go to bed and you kind of ignore your husband the whole time. You just kind of isolate over on your couch. Yeah, I used to be really good at all this too. <laughs> So I think that that shows that we as physicians, if that's our number one coping mechanism, something is wrong. <laughs> we need better coping mechanisms, number one. <laughs> so other ways that docs listed how they coped, 
some of them were healthy, some of them weren't. Some of them were like exercise, talking with your friends and family, sleeping. And then there were things like eating junk food, drinking alcohol, binge eating, using nicotine, using prescription drugs, and using marijuana. Okay, so those were some of the other ways we coped. And it seems to me there were a lot more negative ways to cope listed than positive ways to cope. So when docs were asked along this line, when docs were asked why they hadn't sought help already, most of them responded with things like, my symptoms weren't severe enough. Have you ever thought, well, I'm all right. I'm not as bad as the doc down the street. I think they're really depressed. At least I'm not depressed yet, right? Or maybe they, they thought, I'm too busy. That's like our number one excuse for everything, I think. We're always too busy. There is not time to deal with this stuff. Who's got time for that? Nobody. And so who's got time to deal with their burnout? And then the third most common thought was, I don't need someone else's help to deal with my burnout. So I think looking at these reasons for not seeking help, it almost seems like most of us kind of think that this is just normal. It's just part of our job. We're supposed to feel this way. And that this is just how being an OBGYN is. You know, it's not important enough for us to address it by seeking out help or making time for it or really even admitting that it's a problem. If we think our symptoms aren't severe enough, but we're answering the burnout survey, I don't know, you know, something to think about, okay? So everybody wants to know, right? What do we do about it? How do we fix this? How do we get out of that deep, dark hole? And I'm so glad you asked because that's why I'm here. (laughs) I just, I feel so much love for you guys. And I can't wait to share this podcast with you guys every week. So here's where we're going to start digging in. Okay. We've kind of defined our problem. So now how do we fix it? And so what I first want to offer you is that there is actually research that supports that life coaching is a way to reduce physician burnout. I feel like my N of one supports it. (laughs) I've completely changed my life. Prior to getting life coaching, I really had no idea what life coaching was. Uh, I didn't think anybody had a life coach, like, except Oprah or something like that. Maybe it's just a celebrity thing. Whenever you have so much money, you don't know what to spend it on. You get a life coach, right? But then a friend of mine, I was having coffee with a friend of mine, and she's not in medicine. She's in business. And she was kind of like, oh, well, yeah, life coaches are everywhere in the business world. And a lot of major companies have them. They hire them on the staff to kind of coach their employees and make people more productive and happier at work. And this was, this was kind of shocking to me, you guys. I kind of thought, wow, so business people get life coaches and we get advice telling us that you're not doing enough yoga, doctor, or maybe you need a therapeutic nap. Did you guys ever hear that one during residency? I know some of us did, (laughs) which is fine. Like naps are great. I love naps, but it's, it's not a long-term fix. Okay. So Back to the research study I was talking about, okay? In the JAMA Internal Medicine, back in August 2019, Dr. Dearby studied the effect of professional coaching intervention on the well-being and distress of physicians. And so in this study, Dr. Dearby, she looked at 88 physicians and half were allowed to have six sessions of life coaching. And 
half weren't. And then they all took these surveys, you know, over, I think it was like over six months. And the docs that received just six sessions, that is not very much, you guys. That's like six of my podcasts here. Okay. Six sessions, the doctors that received that reported less burnout, a higher quality of life. Notably, across the same span of time, the physicians who did not receive life coaching actually reported emotional, more emotional exhaustion and a lower quality of life than they had at the beginning. So what was really interesting to me was that this showed that these symptoms just worsen as time goes on if they're not addressed. So my bees, this is why I'm here. This is where I got started coaching. Whenever I signed up for my first life coach, I thought I was just going to address some emotional eating. Um, That had become a really big issue for me. But what I found is that this work essentially fixed my burnout along with the emotional eating, which is great. And so not only is my work life better, but my relationships with my patients, my staff, my family, my relationship with myself, it's amazing. So I'm not trying to convince you anything. Like you guys can make your own decisions, but I just feel so passionate that everybody needs to know about this. Every doctor, every resident, every fellow, everybody, and everybody else that could be listening to this, nurses, other healthcare workers, you guys need to know about this kind of stuff because it's such life-changing work. So back in episode one, uh, we talked a little bit about this. So if you haven't listened to it, go back, catch the details. But what was really a game changer for me was learning that my thoughts create my feelings. So it wasn't the circumstances around me. (laughs) This is very important. None of the things that were happening to me at work had any bearing on my feelings. It was the thoughts that I thought about them. So it was not the vacuum delivery that took three years off my life because it was so complicated. No. It was not the seven discharge summaries that were sitting in my inbox, delinquent. It was not the hysterectomy patient that has to be readmitted due to a pelvic abscess. It was none of these things. It was my thoughts about these things. Okay. None of these things have any meaning until my brain assigns the meaning of complication equals bad. Okay. So an example of this, that's maybe a little less emotional, right? Because typically as an OBGYN, we think of those things and we're we already assigned the meaning of badness, right? So let's start with an easier example. Let's start with the example of when you have a patient at the clinic no-show. A patient that is scheduled to see you doesn't come to her appointment. She misses her appointment. Now, depending on your thoughts, you might have a very different experience of how you could feel. Someone might think, hooray, now I have time to catch up on the morning's charts, (laughs) right? Or hooray, I can go and, and quickly do my rounds at the hospital in between. While someone else might be thinking, oh no, another one no showed. I'm gonna lose money this month. While maybe even a third doc, they look at their schedule, they see a patient, that was on the schedule, didn't come to her appointment, they may think, oh, I hope that she's okay. I hope nothing bad happened to her. I hope she's okay. Now you can see 
that each of these thoughts is about the same circumstance that's in my life. Okay. The circumstance is I had a patient no show. A patient who was on my schedule did not come to her appointment. And whenever I see that, my brain can then assign multiple different meanings to it. Okay. I can have multiple thoughts about it. Each one of those thoughts creates a different outcome, right? If I'm feeling like, hooray, now I can finish my charts. I'm going to be like really productive. I'm going to do some charts. I'm going to, you know, be efficient, be in a good mood. If I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I had another no-show. How am I going to make money? And how am I going to pay my student loans? And how am I going to, you know, keep seeing patients? And, you know, yada, yada, yada. You can see that these are two different, very different outcomes, two different results, right? So this is where we have to get to work. Realizing that our thoughts create our feelings. That is step one. Just being aware, just knowing my thoughts create my feelings. So part of this, this awareness is just starting to watch how your brain responds to certain things. Watching these sentences that are in your brain and just observing them. And also observing that sometimes your brain likes to really get worked up about things. Some people would define this as mindfulness. Mindfulness is just being aware and not judging your thoughts and your emotions, just noticing them with a sense of curiosity. Noticing that your brain sometimes wants to be dramatic and sometimes it assigns meaning to things that isn't really a fact. I like to ask myself whenever I feel upset, what am I making this mean about me? What is my brain making this mean? Or maybe I check in with my brain whenever I'm having a bad day and ask myself, what's going on, brain? What's going on up there? Just kind of with a sense of curiosity. Sometimes I'll even answer out loud. My office staff hears me say things all the time. Like, my brain's being really dramatic about the schedule today. (laughs) Or maybe I might even name my feelings now. And I might say, I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now because I think we're going to be here working late whenever I look at the schedule. You can see that I'm not saying the schedule is awful. The schedule is the reason. No, I'm like acknowledging that it is this feeling coming from within me that is leading to all the drama. Okay. The thoughts and feelings inside me are leading to the drama. So when I vocalize this out loud, sometimes it just seems silly. I'm like, I feel really overwhelmed right now because I think I'm going to be here late. That seems a little silly. And I'm immediately in a mode of trying to find a solution so I can get out of the office on time. And I've I've noticed that that my office staff uh, will do the same. They're so great. So this isn't a complaining session. It's just verbalizing my feelings. I'm verbalizing them and I'm accepting them. I feel overwhelmed by this thought and that is okay. Just naming the feeling or vocalizing it, saying it out loud, saying what is happening in your mind allows you to feel it and allows you to process what is happening so that you can start to work through it. So we're not in a hurry to try and fix our brain and find a happy thought and be, you know, glass half full kind of people and, you know, only look at the positive side. We're not, we're not in a hurry to do that. The first step is always, we just need to be aware of what the thoughts are that are causing the negative emotions. We need to see how this is truly playing out in our lives. This could be playing out at work. This could be playing out at home. We need to be aware and mindful of where our burnout is really coming from. 
So right now you may want to say to me, but I know where it's coming from. It's from the call (laughs) and the late patients and the horrible 3 a.m. shoulder dystocia and the kids being maniacs whenever I walk through the door. (laughs) I know this because that is exactly what my brain used to do too. Listen, sister, those are all thoughts. Write them down. Write down all those thoughts. Then underline the facts. And then you can start being aware of how your brain is assigning a negative meaning to all the facts. So the facts are, that I just said, you know, all that stuff that that was kind of the drama, right? The facts are you take call. That's true. You can prove that in a court of law. Instead of saying the patient was, was late, you can say, well, the patient showed up at 1031 and not 1030. That's a fact. Instead of saying the horrible 3 a.m. shoulder dystocia, that's a thought, okay? The fact there is you went to the hospital at 3 a.m. and delivered a baby during which time a shoulder dystocia occurred. That could be proven in a court of law. (laughs) I hate to even say court of law next to shoulder dystocia, (laughs) y'all. I know that caused a little tachycardia in some. I'm sorry. That was not kind of me. But you can see the facts of the matter are there was a baby that came out at 3 a.m. and a shoulder dystocia occurred. Your brain assigned the meaning of how horrible it was and how you're going to get sued, and how the baby might have problems. Okay, your brain is going there. That's not the facts, though. If you're thinking about your kids being maniacs whenever you walk through the door, well, the facts of that matter are only that you have kids that are present when you get home. Whether they're maniacs or not, I don't know. (laughs) That can't be proven in a court of law, so we can't say it's a fact. Although, probably lots of moms would agree with that one. So. Where I'm going with this is I want you to start being more mindful. I want you to start paying attention to these sentences in your brain. Whenever you have kind of a storm of what I call drama, drama storm going through your mind, go write down these thoughts, underline the facts, see what your brain is trying to convince you of. Okay. And then just start showing yourself. Oh, hmm. It seems like every time. I come home, I start having these really negative thoughts about how my kids are maniacs and just start noticing the patterns because awareness is the first step to digging yourself out of this burnout hole. I promise you, this is where the work is at. And this is what is going to start you on the journey to feeling better at work, at home, all of it. So my bees, I want you to practice this, practice being mindful, watching these thoughts as they kind of go through your brain and then paying attention to where they keep showing up. Oftentimes we will have a negative thought pattern that just keeps showing up, but in different places of our life, like at home or at work, it's the same kind of thought that keeps showing up leading to negative feelings. So I want you to work on your mindfulness, work on really watching your thoughts, being aware, but not judging them. We are curious about them, but we're not judgmental because you can't help what your brain thinks. You really can't sometimes, right? But you can help guide it. That is the key here. You can help guide it and kindly let your brain know that it might be confused or mistaken. Okay. So I hope that everybody has a great week. I am so excited again to have you here. I know I keep saying that, but I really do mean it, you guys. 
So I will see you guys next week. I hope you guys have a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining me today on The Happy Gynecologist. If you have questions or comments, head on over to my website, coach-miles.com, or follow me on Instagram at coachmilesmd. I'd also love it if you left me a review on iTunes. See you next week.